0: This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. I have Tom Michael Mulligan on the line, and he is a fascinating person that I met recently. He's an actor, producer, writer, who's been working in the industry for a long time has a company called film dreams entertainment we're going to go more into the details of all of this and that's going to be part one and stay tuned very briefly for part two which will be about the new hope film festival which he co-founded and we want to find out obviously much more about festivals so here we are thomas welcome how are you today
1: i'm doing great and thank you so very much for having me on your show Really appreciate
0: it. I appreciate it because you're sitting in your car talking on your cell phone. So <laughs> I uh,
1: well, I'm talking into my dashboard. So
0: that's good. <laughs> there you go. So for those listening, I pulled him over out of traffic so that he's not uh, he's not talking while he's driving, but he is in his car. So we really appreciate you doing this. Yes. So let's start off by talking about what you do. You're hyphen what does that mean in our business?
1: Well, you know, I, number one, I'm an actor. That's the thing I love doing most is acting. But uh, about two, back, back in 2007, I met a guy named Joey Lanai had the script called Callus, And it was a feature film script based on a true story of his life of child abuse and family dysfunction. And I read the script and loved it. It was very raw and real. And uh, it took a couple of years. We finally produced the film and, and it did really well in film festival circuit. And and so that's the first time I produced something. My very first film was a feature film and it was very, I'd say, very successful. We won a lot of awards and then it got distributed and it was on cable and video on demand. And so, you know, for a first film, we did we did pretty well with it. So that got me into producing. And I used to write a lot of plays back east. But then I started writing these short films here in California with Lizette Ben-Ray, who I met at a Halo Cinematic Acting Class.
0: Let's back up and talk about you and how you came. You weren't raised in LA. Where were you raised?
1: I was born and raised in New York City in Hell's Kitchen uh, on the west side wow. of New York. And uh, my father was a dock worker and uh, my mom was a waitress, worked as a waitress. So those were the early years uh, of growing up on the west side there.
0: This good food on the West Side though in New York. <laughs> I remember the. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember those small stores on the corner. My relatives were from Brooklyn, from the Italian side. Okay. Yeah, and my actually my grandfather was a longshoreman. He worked on the docks as well, hauling those big hundred pound bags of sugar. Oh
1: really? Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wouldn't it be funny if wow. they? I'm older than you are, but wouldn't it be funny if they knew each other? That that'd be funny. But yeah, it's a great life. I mean, it's it's uh, colorful. That's for sure, right?
1: Well, yeah, I, I would say I'm really glad I grew up there. You know, we were pretty poor and didn't have very much, and lived in a tenement building. But you know what? I, I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, I learned a lot and gained a lot, and and you know, as time went on, things got better. Mm-hmm. You know, we got out of that area, and my father got off the docks, and it, it you know things started to change. So, uh, but still. I, I'm really happy that I did grow up there.
0: So when you were living in New York, when did you realize you were really creative? When you were in House Kitchen, were you a creative kid? What What was life like for you?
1: Actually, I'll, I'll tell you how I got started acting was my mom was a theater actress. She was a very, very good actress. And when I was about seven years old, she took me to an audition with her. And she said, Tommy, come on. I want you to come with me. I want you to see what this is like. So I went with her. It was at the Hudson Biel Theater in New York, which is a pretty pretty good theater. And uh, anyway, I went and my mom got cast and they said, Hey, we have a role for a kid. Um, Would he like to do it? And so that was my very first acting role with my mom on stage. And my very first line was, Hey, Ma, give me a dime. I want to buy a cone. That was it. (laughs) Yeah, that was my, (laughs) that was my start. What was the name of the play? It was called Street Scene. Uh-huh. And it was actually supposed to be taking place in the, uh, this was around 1955, and the play was supposed to be set in the late 30s in New York. That's why it was like, hey, Ma, give me a dime. I want to buy a cone." Yeah. Because today, that, you know, that wouldn't get you anything. But anyway, I, I think I liked it. And I did three more plays with my mom, and then people saw me and cast me separate. So I did three or four other plays. But by the time I was 10, I was into the sports. You know, baseball, hockey, basketball, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. So Uh I let acting go. And uh, when I was 30, that's when I started again. When I turned 30, it just was like woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I think I'm going to move back to New York and I'm going to start acting. And that's what I did.
0: So where did you go from New York? Because you didn't go directly to L.A., right? Didn't you live in Pennsylvania for a while?
1: Yeah, I lived in, I, I, I moved back to New York in 80 and started acting in New York. And I was there until about 80, I'd say about 86, 87. But I also had the apartment in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. to go out there on weekends. And then finally, I moved back there. And I was there before, yeah, I left New Hope in 1994 Mm -hmm. and moved to Southern California.
0: So, you know, a lot of people ask me, can I be an actor? Can I be a producer? Can I be a writer and be successful in the film business and not live in New York or L.A.? How do you react when people ask you that?
1: Well, the main main hubs are Atlanta, New York, and L.A. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are the three main hubs. But because of the way the industry is now, because of technology, I think there's more movies being made than ever before. And you can start an acting career almost from anywhere. I mean, just do, I mean, for example, I was talking to somebody recently, a woman who's in Altoona, Pennsylvania. She friended me on Facebook and started asking me how she could get into acting. I said, well, why don't you do some local community theater? Right? Mm -hmm. That that would be a good way to start. Mm -hmm. And then Pittsburgh is only, I think Pittsburgh is about an hour from Altoona. I said, you know, you could register with Central Casting and do background work. So, because of that, because of sites like LACasting.com, Actors Access, um, Now Casting, uh, Casting Frontiers, you can start acting from anywhere now. How do you
0: feel about the fact that auditions are being done digitally? I mean, you you basically get a call, quote unquote, and you have to record a tape and upload it. How do you feel about that as an actor?
1: Uh, it, it It's interesting because I still think in-person is better, mm-hmm. but the way it is going, Serena, and I think you know this, is most of the auditions now are self tapes first. Mm-hmm. And then if they like your self tape, then they'll bring you in. Mm-hmm. But I'd say nine out of 10 audition, uh, auditions now are self tape. That's what I'm running into. So you got to get good at self taping.
0: So do you have any tips for people about how to do that well?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, most of them are being done on cell phone. Like I. All my self-tapes are done off my cell phone. Really? Well, I'll tell you I'll show something real personal. But anyway, I set it up on a tripod mm-hmm. and I have a little lighting kit that I bought instead of my living room. And sometimes I can get a reader, but sometimes somebody's not available to read. So I will just read my lines and react to whatever the other person is supposed to be saying. And I, you know, I would let them know. And I've actually booked a couple of jobs that way, even though there was no reader. They really liked, you know, the way it came off and the way I looked. Wow. Um, I've even <laughs> this is going to be a little bit funny. <laughs> I've even done a couple of self tapes in my bathroom because because <laughs> of the sound. I have a nice. <laughs> I have the sound is great. That's why um, I have this blue, like turquoise blue background, and I just recently self taped in there, and I booked a role in a short film.
0: I know people are doing it in closets. A lot of people go into their cars for the sound. It's amazing. I mean, it's just so different from the old days where you got the call and you sat in a room with 100 people. I just worry about really talented actors kind of being maybe if their tape isn't good or if, you know, there's a personal as somebody who's been on the casting side. Right? When somebody walks in the room, you can feel them. You, they have a presence about them. I remember, I remember reading hundreds of little boys for the black stallion and their little okay. kid walked in. This was years ago and this little kid sauntered in with his rodeo buckle on. And, and I said, well, who do you admire the most? And he said, John Wayne, you know, and there's just something about him. <laughs> uh, he had confidence. He, ha- he just had charisma and he actually ended up being flown to Hollywood and, and came in second for the role. He didn't get the role, but he wow. came in second and he was devastated. Uh, that's another conversation. How do you handle the nose? But, I think about that when I see my actor friends who are now doing these self-tapes, and I just wish them all well. Um, It's kind of hard to be spontaneous when you're talking directly to a cell phone, right?
1: Well, here's the thing, Serena. It's it's, it's hard because, like, I read a lot of posts from casting directors about self-tapes, and they're very picky about every little thing. Like, I read one where they were saying, oh, this guy submitted, and You know, he he was a good actor, but there was a there was a wrinkle in the curtain behind him and it was distracting. Oh, come on. No, come on. Come on. Seriously. Right. But I'm just sharing I'm sharing that here. and I'm thinking, come on. But, you know, you just got to be more, I think, on a self-tape, you got to be more precise and just make sure that you have when you're taping yourself, especially if you're doing it by yourself is you have a vision of who you're talking to and what it is you're talking about and and really see that person. You know what I mean? And be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Be in the moment and forget you're taping yourself. Just be like, I, here's, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm saying. Here's who I'm speaking to and really feel it and see that person. Yeah. You know, that's it. And, and you know, if you don't like the first tape, you can tape a second and third one until you feel it's decent enough, you know. Any, anyway, that's the way. That's the way I do it. So, do you think
0: it makes a difference if somebody's reading for you and they're good or not good?
1: Uh, sometimes it, it. Well, I've been doing this a long time, so I, I kind of know how to do it now. But uh, sometimes, you know, readers. You probably know this. Readers don't give you very much.
0: No, they don't. They're just reading. Yeah,
1: and so you have to work as if they're bringing something else. So, even if I. Go in where I still go into an audition, and as a reader, like I had one last week in L.A. for a feature film in Hollywood, and it was it was a woman reading, and it was very just like yeah uh, okay so anyway what happened uh, you know when you uh, but I had to work as if she was giving me something else you know what I mean that's hard and anyway that's that's the way I do it
0: yeah well you're really good you can do that (laughs) huh. So, um, well, I, I don't
1: know. I, I try. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. So.
0: What advice do you give? And I, I absolutely did not intend to go on this path, but it's so interesting because you have such a rich background. Yeah. You know, you've been doing it your whole life. Yeah. What do you tell people who get discouraged? There are a lot of actors who, who just they're so good, and they haven't been discovered, and they want desperately to be discovered, and they want these wonderful parts. Yeah. What do you tell them to keep them going?
1: Well. I've been doing, I started this journey in 1980, so it's been 40 years. And either I love what I'm doing or I'm out of my mind. You know, one or the other, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, well, you know what I'm saying, right? I don't it's, mean it's, to it's laugh. but business. Yeah. Well, it's because but, you're no, creative. No, it's, 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 so the thing is this it's, I would say first, do you really love acting? Do you really love what you're doing? Can you make it through? Um, let me use this example. In, in 83, 84 in New York, I booked, eight straight TV commercials, eight Ooh. back to back to back eight straight auditions. I booked those commercials. Wow. I was working in soaps. I was getting under fives and day players on soaps. I was getting stuff. I thought, this is it. I'm going to, I'm taking off. And guess what? All of a sudden for the next year and a half, I couldn't get anything. Hmm. Either if I got an audition, I wasn't booking or I was finally getting auditioned thinking, what the heck is going on here? That's, the business. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. So, you know, you have to have a a thick skin. And when you go to an audition, and if you don't get it, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to get it. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a numbers game. And you can't, a lot of times, there's nothing to do with whether you're a really talented actor or actress. It has to do with, oh, look, maybe you had the perfect look. Maybe the other guy uh, you know, didn't or you didn't read as well as the other guy, or you read really well, but the other guy had the look, and he was, okay, they're probably gonna book him because he looks like the character, or maybe he sounds like the director and producer's vision of that character. Right. And so you have to go in, do the audition and forget about it. And it took me a lot of years. It took me I would say probably about Probably 10, 10 years or more ago, I finally just said, you know what, I'm just going to audition, I'm going to go in and give it my best, be prepared, and I'm going to forget about it. And if Good. they call me, they call me. On to the next. And right. that's, been my, that's been my mantra now for the last 10 years, because you can drive yourself crazy. Yeah, if you
0: don't. especially it's if it's something you really want and you feel like you did well and you don't get that call <laughs> yeah i understand
1: I've, I've gone audition serena where i i walked out and i went man i was really bad i blew it guess what i booked a role <laughs> I've, I've gone to auditions where i thought i nailed this man i was feeling it i was in the moment didn't get it so there you go that's that's it. So I would just say you you got to keep the faith if it's what you really want to do and you have to realize that you're not going to get every audition and you know most of the time you're not going to book it. it. It doesn't and it doesn't matter how good you are. It's just the way the business is, you know.
0: You've done off Broadway, you've done TV, you've done features, you've done a lot of shorts, you've done commercials. So yeah. that's that's pretty yeah. awesome. You know, you you started out as an actor and a writer. The writer was mostly for theater.
1: Yeah, I uh, back in nineteen eighty five, uh, I was living in New Hope. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend, and one day she came to my apartment and she saw some stuff in my files. She said, "What's this?" She found this play called was called laundromat, right? I had started to write. I said, oh, yeah, it's an outlet play. She goes, this, this is pretty cool. It was like 15 pages. This is really cool. You should write this. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a show. I'm too busy. No, no, you. I, I'll tell you what. You either write this play or we're done. That's so <gasps> what oh. she said to me. And she meant it. She wasn't kidding. Good for her. Goes, write this play or we're done. And you know what? <laughs> The next two nights I wrote, (laughs) the next two nights I wrote, and and that was 30 pages, right? And she looked at it and she said, well, you know, you got to add more. And I said, well, I'm going to go make a copy of it. So I'm walking down the street in New Hope. This is totally true. Walking down, I meet this friend, Paul DeCitra, who owned a dinner theater in New Hope. And he said, what's that? I said, oh, it's a play that I wrote called Laundromat. Oh, let me look at it. I said, well, it's not done. No, no, let me look at it. He took it. They called me later that night and said, hey, I really like this. I want to make this the first play of the season. Wow. But you got to expand it. You got to expand it. And so I did. I, I wrote I, it. got out to be about 70 pages. And then we went, started going into to rehearsals. And we were making a lot of changes as we were going along. I mean, things were changing right on set. And yeah, it, 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 it was uh, premiered in 1986 in New Hope. And it, the final name of it was just Dirty Laundry. Oh, I want to read this. <laughs> I want to read because this. Because the, the, the laundromat, I found out there was a movie, there was a play by some, uh, a female author called Laundromat. And then I was going to call it Dirty Laundry. But then about that time, a movie came out called Dirty Laundry. So I called it just Dirty Laundry. Smart. And it takes place in a laundromat on Christmas Eve.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I really want to read this. So are you going to thank your girlfriend, your former girlfriend when you win an Emmy for your writing at some point?
1: I, well, I haven't, we haven't talked in years. I don't even know where she, where she is, but uh, she, she broke up with me anyway, but uh, that's, that's okay. the story for another time. She kicked you yeah, where you okay. needed to no, be kicked and
0: You got it done. You got yeah. it done. So you were acting, you were writing. And then when you started, Callus was your first film as a producer. Was it hard to make that transition?
1: I mean, not really, not that hard. The hard thing was committing to doing it because I had never produced uh, any film before. And like I said, I really liked the story and I thought it should be told because I thought it could help people. And, um, you know, the guy who wrote it lived it. It was his life story. And I just thought, you know, we got to do this. And so we talked to a lot of investors and they said, hey, yeah, let us know when you're ready to film. We'll sit and talk with you. And it took a couple of years because he was booking a lot of roles. I was booking a lot of roles and finally was like, are we going to do this? Let's just do it. And we decided to move ahead, and that was in 2007. Of course, nobody, none of the investors that we had spoken to the previous year were interested in investing. So one of it is I wound up putting most of the money up for it, took money out of my life insurance twice, went into credit card debt. Uh, I don't know how he did his part, and we we did it. We got the movie done. We shot it in uh, 22 days, uh, 14 straight days, three days off for the cinematographer's. Wife had their first baby, and then we shot, uh, th- uh, let's see, we shot three more days, and then five separate uh, five separate individual days, so 22 days total. It was um, kind of unnerving and thinking, okay, how's this going to come out? How's it going to be received? But it won, we won like five or six Best Feature Film Awards, and then it got picked up for distribution, and it was on video on demand for about two years, and then it was on, I think, like 35 cable outlets in the U.S. and Canada. That's awesome for about two years.
0: So what was the hardest part for you about, about producing? You know, I'm a member of the producers guild and I really respect that job a lot. Um, When you, when you kind of jumped in with both feet and you had to do it, what was the hardest part for you to learn?
1: Um, Just, well, there's a number of things. Um, Well, first of all, making sure overseeing, because I was in the film, I was one of the co-stars, but I was also the, you know, the executive producer, and so I had to make sure everybody was happy. I had to make sure the crew was doing well. You know, all the actors. We had we we had about I don't know, almost forty different locations. Oh so come on, a lot seriously? Of of equipment. Whoa. Yes, yeah, seriously. Whoa. No, it, it, Serena, I will never do it that way <laughs> again. When gonna, we
0: did, that was my question. I was going to say, would you ever do that again? <laughs>
1: no, I would not do it that way again unless I had the money up front. Right. I had the budget set. But we did, I will say this, we did plan everything out. We, we set a shooting schedule. We, 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 had, we had a shot list. We got somebody to do, you know, storyboards. I mean, we did it as pro as we could. And I think that's why for first feature, it, you know, it came out pretty well. And actually in 2009, the first year of, of the Oceanside Film Festival, we won Best Picture there very first year of Oceanside.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So tell me about your journey with film festivals. Every, well, We are going to talk about film festivals in the next segment, but for Callis, h- how was that? That's expensive, right? I mean, you have to pay every time you apply and, and then you have to fly in. How was it back then?
1: I'm going to tell you what happened. So we sat down after the film was ready to go. We sat down and Joey and I made a plan and we selected, I think it was like 30 film festivals and we submitted. Wow. The first 23 festivals we submitted to, we got, you know, not selected notices. Oh, and I thought we both thought, man, well, maybe we really don't have anything here. And then all of a sudden the next one we get in and then one after that and one, and then we start getting in the festivals, but talk about perseverance and, and keeping the faith. 23 straight festivals. We got rejected by. Wow. And then the first one we get into was the Riverside International Film Festival, and it won Best Picture.
0: So then that propelled you into the other ones, right? Because you could put the laurels on it, and then you could resubmit. Did You, you obviously resubmitted.
1: Well, well, not only that, Serena, but it was the fact that at, at Riverside, they had films with name actors there, feature films, mm-hmm. and Callus won Best Picture.
0: That's awesome.
1: I mean, that, was, that was a shock. I, I will tell you, when, when they announced Callus, my partner and I and his wife were like, we, we just looked at us like, this, this is unreal. After all those rejections, now uh, we're winning a best picture.
0: Congratulations. You deserve it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. That helped. That helped for sure.
0: So, Tom, you have a film company right now called Film Dreams Entertainment, right? Can you tell me about that and what's on the docket?
1: Okay. So, it started, uh, I met Lizette Benray in, at Halo Cinematic Acting Studios, where I've been going for the last four years. William and Kimmy Wall run that. Um, and, you know, uh, William, I don't know if you know, well, William was there presenting at Oceanside. He's mm-hmm. been an Emmy-winning director, mm-hmm. multiple Emmy-winning director. Anyway, so um, I met Lizette, and we had a great chemistry. And one day I said to her, you know, I think let's, let's do something outside of class. And she said, well, what do you have in mind? I said, well, I have something in mind. So I always remember this incident from my childhood when I was about five years old. Like I said, my dad was a dock worker. And one Christmas Eve, it was after midnight and he wasn't home and my mom was pacing around. My Aww. two little brothers were dead and my mom was smoking. Where's your father? You know, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he comes in. It's after midnight. And my mom, I'm standing there watching this. Room. My mom says, where were you? He goes, none of your business. Goes, it's the witching hour. I never forgot that. Oh, wow. I was drunk. I never <laughs> forgot. It's the witching hour. He goes, make me some eggs. She goes, get your girlfriend to make you eggs. I don't have any girlfriends. And he tried to kiss her, and she said, get your hands off me. You can't just come home, you know, whenever you want. And anyway, I I never forgot that. So I thought, you know, I think I'm going to write a film about that. And so I wrote the first three pages of it, and I showed it to Lisette, and she loved it, and she said, let's do it. And so then we together wrote the whole script, but what we did was instead of setting it back in the 50s, because it would have made it more costly and everything else mm-hmm. to have those clothes and all the other stuff. We set it present day and we incorporated Lizette's story, having grown up in Mexico City. Yeah. And and so we made it partly her story as well. That's awesome. And it became she's Mariela de la Rosa from Mexico City from a wealthy family. I'm Jimmy Callahan from Dublin, Ireland. You know, really poor guy, dock worker. And they meet, fall in love, get married, they have a disabled child, and her family has disowned her because they did not want her to marry below her, because right. yeah, she was marrying below. Yeah. But Jimmy was so charming that, you know, she couldn't resist his Irish charm, you know, that kind of a thing. Anyway, that's how it started. That's how the film was developed. And we wrote it and produced it and co-starred in it and filmed it um, in 2017, and um, we've been having a pretty good, uh, successful festival run with it,
0: and it's called Witching Hour, right? The The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour. So where where do people go to find out more about the Witching
1: Hour? Um, you can follow, go to my website, uh, tom tom dot com. You know, T H O M, Tom Michael Mulligan dot com. Uh, you know, Facebook, uh, there's, you know, different stuff out there. If you just Google the Witching Hour, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff will come up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So do you know what what are the future plans for it? Where do you think it's going to be going in the next year or so?
1: Well, in a couple of weeks, we just, we got into the Silver State Film Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nice. That's a pretty big festival. And we're screening there on Saturday, September 7th. Yeah, so if you're so, in Las um, Vegas, we'll be, yeah.
0: Saturday, September 7th, go to the festival and watch the film. That's great.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's the silverstatefilmfestival.com is the website, and you can check there for tickets, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, I'll be out there. Lizette and her husband and family uh, will be out there, and it should be a fun screening. So
0: do you still play roller or ice hockey?
1: I sure do. I skated this morning.
0: Did you Really?
1: <laughs> yeah well, that's uh, that's great I guess, mate, but but let me but, but let me tell you serena i was very cautious today because <laughs> i did not want to get hurt and miss this interview <laughs> oh so. i call it
0: the fear of falling
1: <laughs> well uh yeah no i love hockey i you know i coached Wee hockey for 15 years in oceanside oh at, at tri-city hockey league and that's something i love that was that was my way of giving back to my community of Oceanside. And I loved it, but it hit a point where I was getting so many acting things happening. I was missing practices and games. I thought this is not fair to the kids. And so I, five years ago, I just, I walked away. I really miss it. Maybe someday I'll go back to it, but I, I just don't have time. You know, I can't do everything, but I I do miss it. I really do. I love, I love those kids.
0: Oceanside as a creative community is really Improving. I mean, what Carly and Lou have done with the festival and with everything yes. happening at Oceanside. There's a feeling when you walk through that small town. There's just creative stuff
1: coming out at you from everywhere. I love that. Yes. Well, look. You. Look, I got to meet you, right? I mean, I. I yeah. mean there's, there's so many talented people in Oceanside. Just yeah. Oceanside I met you. Alone.
0: I met you at the Oceanside Film Festival and it was, it was great talking with you. I loved, I mean, that is the whole purpose of what I do with OWC Radio. And I have to thank Otherworld Computing because by sponsoring the show, they let me create a forum where creatives can have a voice and I can share the amazing work of my friends all around the world. And I, I love it. So big kudos to OWC and Larry O'Connor and the whole team there. So where do people go to find out more about you as an actor?
1: Well, you can go to my website, TomMichaelMulligan.com. You can go to IMDV.com uh, and look up Tom, T-H-O-M, Tom Michael Mulligan. Um, Instagram. Uh, I have a lot of stuff on Instagram. Is that under your name? It's capital T, and then H-O-M, lowercase dash, and capital M, Michael, yeah you know, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, lowercase dash, and then Mulligan, capital M, you know, M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N. That's, that should bring it up.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, I wonder, what, what's the next for Instagram? I'm wondering how long Instagram's going to last, because it seems to be peaking, but it's still very popular. That was one of those noodling that I do at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know?
1: <laughs> well... But- let me tell you this. Let me share this with you. And this is good for other actors or actresses or people in the industry that might be listening. Um, Lizette was the one that got me on Instagram because it was already enough with Twitter and Facebook. She said, oh, no, this is about two and a half years ago. You got to get on Instagram. OK, I got on. And I have to tell you, two, well, two, two film projects. I booked two feature film projects from production companies that found me on Instagram. Wow! They started liking my posts. Then they started commenting and then I get direct message by both companies saying, hey, um, really love your stuff. Checked out your demo reel. You're a great actor. I got cast in two SAG feature films because of Instagram.
0: That's wonderful.
1: And so I tell my friends, some of my friends are like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I, no, start posting on Instagram. And when you, the other thing, too, Serena, to me is when you post, don't just totally make it about you. Like try to make it about other people as well. Right. You know what I mean? Like include other people in your post say something about other people that's anyway that's the way that's the way I do it so yeah I mean I'm, people are finding me especially on Instagram
0: that's awesome crazy. well this has been I could talk to you all day we're gonna uh, close out part one and I'm gonna thank everybody for listening this is Serena Catania I've been interviewing Thomas Michael Mulligan About his acting, producing, writing career And uh, stay tuned, part two We're going to post very, very soon Where we will be talking about The New Hope Film Festival And how to get your film to be successful On the film festival circuit Thank you so much, everyone, for listening Remember what I tell you Every day, get up off that chair And go do something wonderful (laughs)